This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of The Custard TV. I hope that you're all well. Uh, we, we are well now into 2024. I hope everyone's year is going uh, good so far. Uh, we have got another four shows to discuss this week. Uh, and joining me uh, once again, we've got Dawn Glenn. Dawn, how's the year going so far? Seven it's, days it's, in. Well, it's expensive. That's how the year's going <laughs> so far. I bought a house. <laughs> I actually haven't bought it at all. My husband has bought it. And I'm showing huge amounts of faith in him by signing it all. It's all in his name. And he could just throw me onto the streets tomorrow if he wanted to. Shows what a trusting wife I am. <laughs> and coming in the summer, the Netflix documentary, <laughs> Where the Hell is Dawn Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to Dawn Glenn? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Luke, Luke's here as well, as you can hear. He doesn't wait to be introduced. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do comedy. That's why. Yeah. I'll wait for that then. <laughs> we are going to be looking at the return of um, cooking drama, Julia, with Sarah Lancashire. Uh, we've got two new crime thrillers, uh, Criminal Record on Apple TV Plus and After the Flood on ITV1. And it is back the reality sensation of 2022, uh, The Traitors. Uh, me and Dawn will be discussing that. Luke will be banished from the podcast. Uh, I'll be murdered. At that point. <laughs> um, was it 2022 yes, it, or 2020? You're right, Luke, it was 2023. Okay. <laughs> no, it was the end of 2022. Oh, was it? I thought it was the I don't know when it was. <laughs> Why do you correct me when you're wrong? All time we're wasting. Yeah, well, you started it, my friend. Don't you um, hate the passive-aggressive my friend at the end there? <laughs> so Matt and I have fallen out. Dawn's going to be murdered at some point. This is not looking out to be a good year already, is it? The best and the worst on the box. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. This is the Custard TV podcast. Let's just talk about what we've been watching so far. Let's start with you, Luke. Um, any Christmas highlights? Not Christmas highlights. I did enjoy, after sort of thinking that Gone Fishing had gone off the boil a little bit, I did enjoy the, the Christmas special. I thought that was really well done and reminded me why I enjoyed that so, so much. I've done Mr. Bates in the Post Office, and I've also done Brother's Son, which is on Netflix, which is a really great little show with Michelle oh. Yeoh from... Um... See, I was considering that, but I didn't think that would be up your up your alleyway. No, I, I, I really like Michelle Yeoh in everything I've seen her in, and I thought I'd give this one a go, and it's so much fun. There is a fantastic action scene with the Great British Bake Off playing at the background, and it's the episode <laughs> where... Noel and Sandy walk outside and somebody's cake's fallen over. Mm. Do you remember that? She goes, oh, yeah. I think yeah. your cake's just fallen. And that's the final moment in the fight. And it's brilliantly done. It's just so much fun. I wish we had covered it. I'll get a write a review. It'll be up there soon on the website. But yeah, that really took me by okay. surprise. Not started the tourist yet. Can I say something about Mr. Bates and the Post Office, a drama that has been universally praised by everyone that I've seen online? I don't think it was that well acted or that well done. Mm, can I say that? I don't know. You can say is that. It, I stand by it. I just think that everyone in there is doing what they could do in their sleep. Like Toby Jones is basically playing 
Toby Jones from Detectors. In fact, when mm. he was in when he was in that hall, like I half expected him to go, while we're talking about this, here's also a table full of buttons. That I've... <laughs> no, I don't think it helped that they were in a like a town hall at the yes, end of that film. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone's very good, but it, it didn't stick with me. It's already. a bit Middle England for you, isn't it? Yes. I think. I think it is one of those things where these people were like the way these characters are portraying them, the way these actors oh, yeah, are I watched them. the documentary. That's how afterwards. these people were. I watched the documentary, they got everybody right, even the mm. quote unquote odder looking people, they got spot on. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, they did. But it's, it's I don't know whether it warrants a drama, really. It's not well, but it's the awful the... story and it's horrific yeah. that it happened, but. There's the amount of stuff that's happened off the back of it as well, and it has shown, I know even though you felt it was maybe a bit lacklustre, the power that drama has mm-hmm. to open people's eyes. And I think mm-hmm. actually those performances, they are portraying real life, decent people. And I think mm-hmm. the audiences actually needed to see that, you know, they weren't just names you read on a BBC News website or like you see a bit on the news, a segment on the news, mm. you are watching these people, their lives being destroyed. And I think yeah. people actually needed to see it acted out to actually realise the sort yeah. of catastrophic uh, reaction it had on these people. And I think, you know, now it's led to the police actually investigating it for the first time. It does show the power of drama, even if, you know, like... New Luke uh, didn't really rate it. I know that my folks have watched all four and absolutely loved it. And I think like myself and Dawn were saying last week, you do get that anger. It brings out the rage in you because of what happened. Okay. Dawn, what have you been watching? Mr. Reach and the Force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I finished it um, and I watched the documentary as well. Um, and I agree I agree with you, Matt. I think it, it shows the power of drama for some reason. I don't quite know what it is, but it does reach people more perhaps because it is acted out literally whereas somebody telling you the story doesn't have the same impact you know because obviously in the drama uh, the documentary I should say they were recounting things but it doesn't hit the same way as watching it unfold and each moment that built up you know like when um joe is, is on um the phone with the customer care line and she's told to press these buttons and she sees the debt double in front of her eyes even though someone could describe that seeing it happen just had a bigger impact I think so I I really enjoyed it and I I was astounded how alike Toby Jones was to the real um, Alan Bates I also watched uh, the second episode of True Love which we talked about last week I I really wanted to see sort of where it was going first I thought well they're just going to focus on Phil and Ken um, and their relationship and Phil's husband does seriously start to suspect they're having an affair and he follows her and it's the most middle class uh, mm. uh, few minutes because uh, he's he's following her in his electric car and it runs out of battery and then she goes to meet Ken at a National Trust place where she's bought a National Trust family pass and that was a key moment. I was like, oh, you can't get more middle class than that. <laughs> By the end of the second episode, Marion, that's uh, Sue Johnson, she reveals she has dementia and she too wants the true love ending. So they are, as as we theorised, it is going to be a bit, you know, picking them off one by one kind of thing. I'll definitely watch that to its conclusion because the the performances in it are just fantastic. And Lindsay Duncan and and Clark Peters have a great chemistry as, as the two leads basically um so i want to see where that goes 
Well, Being a TV nerd, yeah, and this doesn't matter to anyone. I just found it that show with its performances, the actors, and the story. Find it weird that's on Channel Four. You're right; it doesn't feel very. <laughs> that is it, because Channel Four don't do much drama, and they're all for the young people. And this is a older cast, mm. older themes. You know, I think it's the theme more than the actors, though. You know, looking at euthanasia in this way, it's an That's edgier... That's a good point, actually. It's an edgier drama. If it was yeah. a BBC or an ITV drama, they'd smooth those edges off. And it's yeah. from the people who did The End of the Effing World, isn't it? Well, it's, it's not written by them, but yeah, no. the producer. You've solved it for me. It's the youth in euthanasia. That's why it's there. There's youth... the youth in euthanasia. It's the youth in euthanasia. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, what have you been watching, Matt? I have watched all but the last episode of The Tourist. That is what I have been doing this Great. week. Great. So, uh... so can you give us a bit of an overview as somebody who really enjoyed the first series and, like me, doesn't necessarily feel like the second was necessarily warranted? The fact that you've whizzed through it tells me you enjoyed it? No? I really yes. did. It's It's more of the same, but I think it's got a bit more humanity to it. I wouldn't say it's any less funny but it's not as maybe zany you know the outbacky australianness of the first um series had you know it's more grounded and now we know these characters as well and the the new characters they've brought in help because of obviously their connections uh to elliot uh the jamie dornan character i've loved every episode the williams brothers are really good at using music in an off-kilter way. I know we spoke about uh, the use of Don't Get Me Wrong in that first episode. Episode three has a sequence you will never be able to think about Billy Joel's Piano Man in the <laughs> same way again. And, and the brilliance of um, Ethan as well. We get, oh, yeah, I um, can't wait to see that. I know you he, didn't you didn't pursue Boat Story, but do you think, and, but do you think it goes... A bit silly, this one. Or do you, I like the way no, you said grounded. I like. I that. think it is very grounded, and it's going back to where he's come from. Obviously, introducing family members, connections, very deep connections that he can't remember. And I do really like the cast that they brought along. There's this young actor, Mark McKenna, who we saw playing Fergal, the younger guy, um, Dawn last week. His performance in episode two is brilliant and he gives a very rounded performance as we go on and we learn more of that character's significance as well. So there's a lot to like. I think bringing back Ethan was a work of genius. He was one of my favourite characters in the first series. But yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I'll probably watch the last episode tonight. Um, That's what we've been watching and we've all been watching stuff. Tourist is on iPlayer. True Love is on Channel 4's on-demand service. The Brother's Son, which is the only thing new that I've watched, is on Netflix and Mr Bates at the Post Office is on ITVX. Uh, you can follow us uh, various different ways. We're on X, Twitter, we're on Instagram, it's the Custard TV. If you'd like to write for the site, if you've visited it for a few years and think 2024 I'd like to contribute, we're always happy for people to uh, be creative on the site and write about their passions of TV. There's a contact us there on the website, or you can just get in touch with me through the various social media platforms or via our email address, custardtvreviews at gmail.com. Brand new on the site is a great opinion piece from Will Barber Taylor. 
He does the debated podcast about politics, and he's written about how politicians have used and abused the TV landscape to sort of further their medium, starting with Harold Wilson and going all the way to Farage on I'm a Celebrity. It's a really well put together piece, really one I'm happy to showcase. So that's there. Also, Dawn very eloquently wrote about Julia, one of the shows we'll be discussing today. And she goes into what makes that show so special. And you can always check out what's coming up as well by visiting the website, thecustardv.com, hitting our upcoming TV page, and that's updated regularly and lets you know what is coming, where and when. Where can you find us on social media, Luke, if people where do want to get Where is funny you ask? I am on Twitter, <laughs> at LukeCustardTV. Dawn's there too. Uh, yes, I am Dawn Glenn too. And on uh, Instagram and other places, I am Ikeloshu, I-K-K-L-E-O-S-U. Instagram for us is It's The Custard TV. We're on threads under that name as well. Facebook, The Custard TV. Matt's there as well at Matt's TV Bytes. We're all over the social medias. Uh, so there's plenty of and ways to reach out if you want to. As we've got two crime dramas, I think we should start there this week. We'll start with um, After the Flood, which is on um, ITV1 uh, from Wednesday. Uh, Luke watched this about a week ago, um, but he's going to set it up for us nonetheless. After the Flood is a new sixth part, and I'm doing air quotes, even though I'm the one without the the webcam thriller, set during a massive flood, and uh, Sophie Rundle of um, Happy Valley, Gentleman Jack fame. She plays policewoman uh, Joanna Marshall, who is tasked with making sure everybody gets out safely as the floodwaters rise. But there's a quote-unquote dramatic sequence where a baby is washed away in the flood. flood. Uh, a guy jumps in to rescue the baby. The baby survives. He's washed away. This hits hard to Joanna. She can't stop thinking about it. She's pregnant herself. Due to the um, flooding, they have to take in her partner's family, who she despises. But it's clear that Joanna is well-liked within the community. It's one of those communities where everybody knows each other. Uh, she goes round to see an elderly couple who don't want to leave because they've got flood barriers in. But the following day, when they check on them, they've died. But the main crux of this is the fact that a couple of days after the floodwaters have receded and people start to get back on with their lives to a degree, Joanna is called out when a man is found in a lift. They assume he was stuck in it during the flood, but it, it turns out he's been there a couple of days. And Joanna, who is just about to become a member of the murder squad, uh, wants to find out who this man was. So she floats the idea uh-huh, <laughs> of um, putting him through one of those uh, websites where you can trace your genes because they've got all of his genetic stuff. And the policeman that she's working with says the line, it's illegal, it's not allowed, in case we don't know what it's illegal means. But she does it anyway because she's a... I don't know why she does it anyway, but there'd be no drama if she didn't do it anyway, I suppose. And she discovers that the man has a relative in France who reaches out to her and tells her, bum, 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 my brother's been dead two years. Wow, where does it go from here? This is written by Mick Ford, who I, I like. I mean, we're going back a long time. He wrote William and Mary, the sort of romantic drama with 
Martin Clunes as an undertaker and Judy Graham as a midwife. And that was a really sweet-natured, fun show. It's also exec-produced by somebody I have huge respect for and we've spoken to on this podcast, Nicholas Schindler, who's responsible for things going back as far as Queer as Folk and Bob and Rose and It's a Sin and Happy Valley and Scott and Bailey and all these shows that I think are quintessentially great British television. I don't think I've seen anything this bad for a long, long time. This was laughably bad. All the police stuff was laughably bad. The twist at the end was laughably bad. The dialogue was some of the worst I've ever heard. I don't know who this you, is for. And you said yeah. to me that when we talked about it before I'd seen it, you yeah. you, you thought it was like parody almost. What, yes. Which bits do you are you referring to specifically? The whole sequence with the baby I thought was laughable. It was like something out of casualty. I have not seen anything this bad for a long, long time. When people slag off ITV dramas, they are wrong to do it. But in this case, this is a terrible, terrible example of what an ITV drama can be. And I'm embarrassed that this is what British television is still capable of. I was embarrassed for people like... Lorraine Ashbourne, who gives a good performance and everything. Philip Glenister, who clearly needs a paycheck because we haven't seen him for a while. There are no redeeming features in it. I thought it was one of the worst things we've seen for a long, long time. Awful. Dawn, you felt the Tell same. Tell anything now, yeah. you felt You felt the same. You can do the expletives. What did you say at the end of watching it? When the titles went up, I said, what a load of shite. Exactly, yes. <laughs> and I'm not prone to that kind of, you know... I give things a good go and um but I think you said casualty. I wrote down doctors, that opening <sighs> stuff with the baby, the way it was cut, the you know, the the, the directing cuts, um, made it look so cheap and so roughly put together, you know, so you couldn't see exactly what was happening. And and it, it made me think of doctors or Hollyoaks or one of these cheap, soapy shows you know you're talking about how bad the dialogue is it starts at that point when when her co-police officer comes up to her and says oh can you describe the man you know that was washed away and she says oh i don't know tall 30s a hero and it was god god (laughs) almighty i thought oh that was shocking and even you know when we saw her policing as you mentioned that elderly couple it was quite clearly a street of six houses and it was a set and it was the most, it was all, it was a real street, but it was like, this is the only bit we could afford to actually flood. So we'll just have everything set here. So that's, I think that was my main part of it was that it felt cheap. But also, as you say, about the, the policing aspect of it, she is breaking the law and we're meant mm. to sympathise with her and go, yeah, that's good. Especially with the, the next crime show we're about to talk about touches on a similar idea of how far the police can go to identify someone and it's done so differently from this you know this is just like eh, it's against the law who cares Let's, i'll just do it anyway she's meant to be our protagonist and our person to identify with and the thing is sophie rundle is very good in it i found her personable she could definitely lead a show do you not she- remember the diplomat last year dawn <laughs> I have seen no evidence yet that Sophie Rundle can lead a show. Okay, I take that back. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, 
like you say, the the um Lorraine Ashbourne that plays her mother, Molly, and that's an interesting partnership and the, the, the character seemed interesting and she's very involved in the community and she's fighting with the council and now she's going to run for council herself. I found that bit okay. But as well, Joanna, her, her husband was awful. He was another policeman and sort of telling her what to do and, you know, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do and, no, you're pregnant. And she lied to him about how pregnant she was and she'd lied to everybody about how pregnant she was because she'd wanted to do the... It just seems such a bizarre thing to lie about that she would say that and not just tell her husband, look... I'm, and then I, she had know. the hump with him. Yeah, and she was like, oh, he's not speaking to me. He didn't even look at me, but she was the one that lied to him about then, their, their pregnancy. A and huge... then there's this assumption that some of them might be ill because of being in the floodwaters, there's people being sick in the police. To... Yes. Oh, God almighty. There wasn't anything, even in the, when the, the actual mystery started with the man in the lift and that, again, it was just her wanting to know the answers. I, I have to say her husband was right on this point, but he was like, you can't just go into the, the murder squad and start asking questions and demanding to know mm. things. You know, let them do their job. You can't come in. And I was like, oh, he was right, because she had no right. There are people who are trained and whose job this is to do. And she was just wading in with her wellies, her waders, her waders. So I didn't like her. I didn't like what she was doing. There was nothing in it to make me think, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting behind her here. She lied. She bullied her way in. She did illegal things. And you're, that's not a protagonist. They find the man in the left and there's that guy who guides, guides them in and tells them it's a body. And he goes, I use this lift all the time. It could have been me. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, but then that came back, Luke, when she said, but that guy said he used it all the time. I know! She <laughs> referenced it as if we... Oh, God. Yeah. And plus, there was the, you know, the added history of her dad was a policeman who died, and he died because he would go to hospital, so you've got to go to hospital. And, yeah. Embarrassing. I would urge people not to watch this, even though Luke and Dawn have picked it up as, like, one of the worst things ever. <laughs> I thought it was bang average. I, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> something bad, I would say, something I find hard to watch, like something that takes a good couple of jumps to get through. I didn't find this like egregiously bad in that, you know, I watched it all in one sitting. I agree with you. The dialogue is really poorly written. I was coming up with an alternate show in my head that I wanted to watch. <laughs> About, oh, tell us about Dawn, that one. Well, you were saying about Lorraine Ashbourne's character yeah. becoming a counsellor. I would have quite liked to have seen. Because yeah. the, the more interesting things were the politics around why the flood... You know, it's a very yeah. pertinent subject. Why the floods keep happening? Why haven't we got these sandbags? Why haven't we got these defences? Having seen the trailer play a lot of times during that weird ITV six o'clock break during Celebrity Catchphrase, there's also the allusion to this housing estate that's referenced briefly, that that's got something to do with why the town keeps flooding. Mm -hmm. Because there's the woman who goes, oh, I was fine. I live in this housing estate The midwife. Is... That was the yes. guy, woman checking oh, her baby. Yes, Just yes. Like, well, I live here and of course we can see the old estate from my... It, oh, this well. might be useful later on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there was nothing else to suggest that like evil developers, you know, that no. wasn't referenced, you know, 
the councilwoman could have easily gone, yes, but we've been busy doing this development. That's got nothing to do with it, blah, 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 blah. There's enough clunky dialogue. It's like the airport novel type thing, but I it's just... not smart enough to be an airport novel, though, is it? Because the twist it's is one so of those... dry. But... Well, it's not dry, Luke. That's the well, point. It's soggy. <laughs> it's very wet. Soggy twist. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I can see people who I work with recommending this. This well, just feels like something that I... would have you notice it. I mean, I heard someone recommending The Holiday, which was the worst thing I saw no. the year before last. I'm like, Notice, really? hand it in, hand it in. We can work from <laughs> it's home. It's when these things end up on Netflix a year and a half later and everyone thinks mm. they're new and people hail them as the, the best thing ever. I don't think I hated it quite as much as you, but that's because, pun in coming, I think I let it wash all over me. Hey. Oh, it's not clean water. <laughs> um, I mean, my mum, you know all these quote-unquote thrillers that mm. we review on this that ITV do. My mum likes them all, and I just put them on for her something to watch in the afternoon if she fancies it. I can't see her liking that. What, what's in this? There's just nothing in this. It's awful, awful okay. stuff. Ironically, it's incredibly contemporary, given the majority of the country's underwater, and it, mm. wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, as ITV, who give... Like, if you've been affected by any of the issues at the end of every blooming programme, it wouldn't surprise me if they actually pull this and wait till the real floodwaters subside in case it sounds, yeah. in case it seems offensive. I think once people watch it, they'll be even more offended by how awful it is. After the fun, six episodes on ITVX, one of the worst things I've seen, certainly this year. Moving on to something I hope we had a, a slightly better opinion of, um... <laughs> It's the second crime drama of the week, Criminal Record, I think only linked by the fact that it's a female detective maybe looking into things that she shouldn't be looking into. Uh, we've got Kush Jumbo in the lead. She plays DS June Lenka. She's asked to investigate a domestic violence case where a woman makes a 999 call um, alleging an assault from her partner. Uh, she doesn't give a name. She doesn't give a name for her partner. But what she does say during the call is that her partner um, has threatened her with a knife and has also bragged that he had killed a previous partner uh, and another man uh, was jailed for the crime. She mentions that the man got a 24-year prison sentence and says what prison he went to. Lenka then, off the back of uh, listening to the call and talking to the call handler, does some research and discovers that the murder victim in question is Adelaide Burroughs. The man convicted for this crime is an Errol Mathis. Uh, she goes to her boss with this and he says to contact the uh, senior investigating officer of the case. When he learns that it's a uh, DCI Daniel Hegarty, he tells June to send an, an email rather than uh, visit him in person. But she goes against this advice and goes to see Hegarty, who's played by Peter Capaldi, we meet this character in an opening scene where he's acting as a chauffeur slash protection for a couple who are going to a dinner party or an evening out or something like that. The initial exchange between Hegarty and Lenka is frosty at best. Uh, the next day, uh, Lenka is uh, amused to find that she's being investigated uh, by the um, like internal affairs team, some sort of dodgy stuff going on on her computer. We see early on that her mum, played by Zoe Wanamaker, is asking her to sort of research various number plates of dodgy vehicles that she thinks are outside her house. Lenkard begins to dig further into the case, 
meets a lawyer hired by Errol's mother who believed that her son was wrongfully convicted. Uh, we're also introduced to Adelaide's uh, now 18-year-old son who was said to be in the next room when the murder was committed and is clearly still suffering from the trauma of his mother's murder. Uh, the episode ends with the woman calling 999 again, reporting um, further abuse, fearing for her life, and uh, June uh, rushes to get to the scene before matters get worse. Luke, let's go to you. Were you a bit more positive here? Apple have been making my favourite British shows for the last couple of years, Bad Sisters, Slow Horses, Hijack. And when this started, I was really into it. I thought it was really engaging, really powerful. There's the, the opening sequence with Peter Capaldi, as you say, acting as protection for this couple who really irritate him. You can tell he's not happy to be there and they're getting under his skin. And you can feel that he's sort of a dangerous person and that he might get out of the car and start beating them up. So there's palpable tension there. Then there's this phone call that's really rushed and exciting where the call handler's trying to find out information. Chris Jumbo's really good. And it got about halfway through and I started to realise I was getting a bit lost with who people were, their connections, who they were in the past, who they are now, how they all connect. And as it went on, I found myself being less and less sort of interested in it this copper's a bit bent and she's trying to find out who he is. And I, I felt like by the end of it, I'd seen it all before and I wasn't really engaged with it as much as I'd like. I think it does a lot of interesting things, but not enough to keep me coming back for more, sadly, because I thought it started off really well. But I just felt we'd seen it all before and it felt a bit generic and a bit overblown in places to me. I find that you say a lot that you get confused by things now are you sure it's not just your age it could be i i was paying attention i wasn't doing anything else i wasn't checking emails or can i ask you just go into detail with that it was the stuff with the kid and Mm. then i got a bit lost there with there's that thing where the police are seeking him out when he's young and then you see him older i don't know i I couldn't piece it together very well dawn am, am i right or wrong Oddly enough, you are right, actually, because mm. I I was going to say the same thing. I thought, was I too tired when I watched this? Because I didn't follow the connections of all the people, who they oh, were, how they were God. I thought it was me. Well, I thought, I thought it was just me, so look, we've got each other. I don't know if it was the style of how things were revealed or... I don't know, but I just found that part of the story hard to follow. I really enjoyed the aspect of of Kush uh, Jumbo's character uncovering the truth about Peter Capaldi in the 62s. I really liked that aspect of it and the the racism and the um, cover-up and the the way that she was suddenly under investigation because she'd dared to question him. That aspect really intrigued me and I was interested in that, but it was the connection between the woman who'd phoned and the woman in the power block and I got very lost in it as well. So I, I was thinking, I really think I might rewatch this again just to see if I can get a better grip on it because I think the performances are absolutely worth it and, and there is a very powerful story about racism and the fact that um the lead character, June Lenker, has a 12-year-old son and her fears for him growing up as a, as a teenage black boy in London um and her feeling as a police person, a person you know who 
is part of this system which treats um, black men particularly so badly. I think there's a lot going on and that's good, but I just, I just didn't get a grip on it. I couldn't find the way through it, if you know what I mean. I did watch two episodes, I have to say. Oh, okay, um, yeah. As it goes on, it might become clearer as the story funnels into her uncovering the, the truth about about this particular investigation and, and um, Errol ending up in prison and how that happened. But there was a lot of flashes and flashbacks and flashes mm. of, of things. I think you really have to concentrate. Maybe uh, maybe we're just being particularly slow, but I, I felt like you really had to concentrate on this first episode to, to get a, a grip of the story. And maybe it might have been better spaced out a bit. But, but I think yeah. the performances are definitely worthwhile. Peter Capaldi is always amazing and he's so good at this kind of sinister but with a facade of being good but he has this sinister undercurrent. I feel like I'm the voice of dissension this week. I think I understood <laughs> everything that was going on with this. It told the story well. Again, like after the floods in terms of the subject matter, it is very relevant. You know, what was said last year about you know, the intrinsic racism and sexism in the Met Police, they do look at that in quite a lot of detail. There's a scene where they're both listening to the same interview about reforming the police force. And obviously, you know, you've got this old school white officer who's obviously reveled in having everything his own way. And now things are changing and he's not, you know, he mentions to that couple in the first scene about the youth taking over and him you know, not liking that and and the way things are changing. And I think June represents that in a way and, and he resents her for digging up the past. Maybe the secondary characters that we meet in this do feel a little bit generic. It feels a little bit, I know it's different, but it feels a bit sort of Stephen Lawrence coded. Yeah. Because his mum is, is, is Doris... Matthew and obviously Doreen Lawrence, that's where my mind went anyway. And the, the intrinsic racism in the police by having this as a black man, the angry black man that they portrayed him as during the trial. I really like this. It is very relevant, I think, as someone who works for the police. To me, it felt very authentic as well, as certainly as a booster after the flood. I believe that these people were were police officers. There was a sort of unforgotten edge to it as well with bringing in the sun and things like that. I, I was going to watch the second one, but I decided to watch a next episode of The Tourist to finish that before. But this will be probably next on my list. I thought the scene between Paul Dean and Kush Jumbo in the first episode was absolutely, mm. you know, electrifying and, and more of that, please, as well. But yeah, I think this is a very relevant contemporary police drama i would recommend this and i didn't find it confusing listeners let us know did you find it confusing? <laughs> am i in the i'm the first to say if things confuse me and sometimes i have to go back to things but no i this i i mean as well i only watched it last night so perhaps you know i only watched it last night as well okay. but that's why i thought <laughs> yeah, maybe you watched it at three in the morning probably then. <laughs> no it wasn't it wasn't no it was quite okay. reasonably early i think i would definitely go back and give it a second watch and yeah. see because it's it's worth it for as you say the importance of the story and mm. the the actors that are in it are world class so okay finally then for my section of the podcast uh it's time to get all warm inside 
Dawn, talk to us about Julia, the second season on yeah. uh, Sky Atlantic. It is uh, the return of the magnificent Julia starring our very own Sarah Lancashire. I say ours, like, we say. But I'm just so delighted to see a British actress uh, like Sarah Lancashire making it in, in America. But this is a criminally underwatched show. Uh, it's the biopic of Julia Child, America's favourite quirky TV cook uh, in the 1960s. At the end of the first series, her show... Uh, the French chef had become a hit and they wanted to do more, but she paused it to go to France and write the second uh, edition of her cookbook with her very close friend Simka, which was how, you know, she got into this business in the first place. It was based on this their, their book, so they wanted to write their second edition. Julia and her husband Paul are having an idyllic time in France, staying with Simka and her husband, they're cooking together, but they're reaching no conclusions because they do clash. Julia is thinking of American tastes and thinking that Americans are not going to want to cook goose or duck. And she wants to simplify things. Simka is very much a traditionalist. Um, they go out to a, a restaurant of a chef that Julia's heard of, eat this most magnificent fish en croute. Julia is determined to recreate it. Uh, herself to, and put it in the book but um, Simka is not convinced she thinks it's a very flim flam kind of recipe and it's bland and whereas Julia thought it was delicate and heavenly and we have a lot of time spent on their clashes and they come back together then they clash again. Meanwhile back in America all of Julia's friends she made or she made the show with Russ the director he's now being able to make his own documentaries because of the success Alice has been moved up but is facing hideous sexism every show idea she puts forward um gets rejected by the other men or what women want to watch she knows what women want to watch men think they know um so she's having a hard time even though she's being tasked with finding the next Julia and also Russ with his um his documentaries he's getting interested in the anti-war movement which is the uh, Vietnam War and he he doesn't know who to put in his show so Julia's very close friend Avis played by Babe Neurath she suggests she takes him to Harvard where there's an anti-war um talk going on she takes him along there and Russ experiences um LSD where he has some revelations about how to move forward the first episode takes us in between Boston and all Julia's friends she's left behind and her idyllic time in France. The first several episodes of this series, we spend a lot of time in France uh, and, and whilst telling the stories in Boston. But it still is deliciously warm and fun. There's a lot of just silliness with no great depth, but it is just a delight to spend time with them, um, especially the Julia and Paul, uh, David Hyde, Pierce plays Paul and they have such a beautiful relationship and, and their marriage is so vibrant and the show is so vibrant. The 60s bright colours and um lots of food porn going on. It's just gorgeous. I had a niggle that they spent perhaps too long in Paris, but that's only because I love seeing how they make the show. But I think Sarah Lancashire just you don't see her. You just don't mm-hmm. see her. It blows my mind every time I think that that's Sarah Lancashire. It, it, I think she's brilliant. 
Uh, you said there's no depth, but I think there's quite a bit of depth as we go on. Mm. Alice's story this year is really fascinating. The romance she has, the struggles she has, the episode later on where they think they've been invited to the White House to experience that, and really they've only been given the chance to film in the in the kitchens and Alice and and Julia are sort of left behind. Great performance by Hax's Hannah Einbinder in that. I thought she, I couldn't place her for such a long time as this sort of moody who's in charge of making sure everything runs to time, and she's brilliant. I love that gave Bibi Newworth so much to do. She has an interesting relationship going on throughout the season. It's just a lot of fun. It's, as you say, it's very vibrant, but I think it, it reaches new emotional depths and plums more out of the characters it's set in that era but it doesn't feel dated it feels contemporary it just worries me that i think it's as you say criminally underseen it's loved by critics but i don't know how much longer we're gonna get with the show it's really easy watch it's it's really clever it's got a lot to say and i love it yeah i i haven't got a lot to add really (laughs) (laughs) um i agree with luke i think her being in Paris sort of sidelines her from the rest of the group. I think I liked that sort of found family aspect mm-hmm. of the first season. But obviously I understand why why we're getting this and it's great to have all the food around again and the, the thing of the of the cookbook and seeing her and, and um, her husband together is always great. I liked the fact that it looked up sort of what's going on outside as well, the, the war protests. Bibi Neurath, for me, was the star of this first episode. I love her character in this. You think it's sort of almost like another Lilith, but it's not. She's got layers to her. I really like her performance in this, but I think it's a great cast. And as, again, Luke says, more people need to watch this. <laughs> I'm not sure. Why do you think it slipped under the radar? Um, I don't know. First of all, it's a... <laughs> well, it's that was a, a good conversation. <laughs> no, it's, it's, an, it's, an HBO, it's an HBO Max show. People don't know about them. In America, at least, it came on during the strikes, so they weren't able to promote it in any way with interviews or anything like that. But this is and season then, two, is it? Yeah. We're talking about but I, I yeah. just mean the show is a hot... The, well, the I, I, don't, I don't think... Over I don't here, think, over yeah, in the I don't UK. Think, I don't feel like Sky promote it. I don't... Mm. You know, if I was Sky, I'd be saying, you remember Sarah Lancashire in Happy Valley? We've got her new show, and it's... They've got this great deal with HBO that they get everything, but then they just don't seem to shout about it at all. I never get press releases when things like this come out. It just seems like something they have, but they don't really know what to do with. And Julia Child isn't a name over here. Mm. You know, That's same what I was like thinking. Martha yeah. Stewart isn't a name. You know, if Sarah Lancashire was playing like uh, Delia Smith, obviously Fanny people Craddock. would know. I was going to yeah, say Fanny exactly, Fanny Craddock. I think it's the fact that she's not a name, but I don't think that matters because I've seen an interview where the creator says she doesn't sound like Julia, she doesn't particularly look like Julia, but she inhabits everything about mm. her. And I, I, I don't. If a show is this good and the performances of this feel this way, I don't particularly worry about how close she really is to Julia Child because, as you say, it's that. Family. I also want to give a quick shout out to uh, Rachel Bloom, oh, yeah, who is in that. this as her new director. And it's interesting that it's two women working together, and Julia 
doesn't like it. She doesn't like being directed by another woman. And I thought that was fascinating. It's eight episodes. Dawn and I have seen them. I've seen them all. Uh, it's on the website in a review now. I love it. I'm kind of expecting it to be axed because I just expect these things to, like Minx, I think that's Because you can't going. have nice things. Yeah, but this is why we can't have nice things. Because <laughs> nobody watches those nice things and lets them grow. But I think it ends well, don't you, Dawn? If that was yeah. the end. Yes, if that's the end, then that's satisfying. You know, it's just such a shame. It just, there's so many aspects of it. I think, you know, we can just say, oh, it's Sarah Lancashire. Everybody should watch that. But David Hyde Pierce and Bibi Newirth together again. And and the, the, the scenes they have together are always amazing. The fact that it has so many women over 50 in it, including um Judith Light, the, as the um editor of, of the books who's losing her sight and it's, there's an exploration of women's sexuality and, and independence in the 60s the sexual revolution you know there's so many aspects of it and just the fact it's so entertaining it's funny and it's warm but it all always you know has a heart of, of something important I, I think what it says about people you know about friendships and and how we can change each other and the effect Julia has on everybody she meets and, and how that then branches out from them and how they affect other people. I just can't say enough about it and I don't I, I want people to watch it. Please watch it, people. <laughs> Do you feel like you'd watch it, though, if you weren't yes, part of yes. this podcast? But yes, how would you know about it if well, you weren't part the, of this podcast? That's the thing. I definitely don't think I would have, have heard about it. It is right up my street. It's the kind of thing I would love to see. So I, I am gutted they don't publicise it more. Um, and I don't know how they should, but they should. Like you say, it touches on females are um, front and centre in this. Yeah. And it, and every time it goes away from Julia, it, it never loses me. I love the stuff with Fiona, yeah. Fiona Gilchrist and uh, Judith. I could watch them do a show about her going blind and her losing a position at this publishing company that she feels she's in more control of, but her husband wants her to be removed from the book. Like, all that is really, really interesting. And then you go over to Bibi Newruth, who's having this relationship with a new guy. She's not had someone in her life for a long time. All that's really interesting. Yeah. And you go over to Alice, who's got aspirations of making programmes that speak directly to women and their boss is unsure that's really interesting. It's just every aspect of it. Yeah. You never get bored. It just goes from one thing to the next. And then you think, wow. And all under in under 45 minutes. Fantastic. Yeah. Maybe I should go out on the streets with a placard and, and start advertising this. Was she promoting it the first time no. it came on? Was she on no. Graham Norton or anything she like that? She has never that. done any press, either here or America, for it. So strange. I've seen like the behind-the-scenes features of it that HBO Max put out, which is in one of them for a tiny bit talking about um, how it's difficult to get her voice because her voice is very distinctive, quite sing-songy, quite up and down. She talks about that briefly, but she's not done any promotion for it at all. No. You can see, like, when she did the um, National TV Awards and they gave her the Lifetime Achievement, that she really struggles, I think, to talk about herself and her projects. Mm. And she's... Yeah very shy like that so that might be the reason for it but at the same time it would help people find this show i think it is quite a hard sell for uk viewers as you said yeah. because 
of the subject matter, yeah. but it is such a charming show, and everyone in this country loves Sarah Lancashire. So, and you could write it off. As, you could write it off as twee, which is one of my you know least favorite <laughs> words in the English language. But it is so not that. Julia, all there now on Sky Atlantic. That is it for me. I'll be back. I don't know May. I don't know when it will be. Uh, well, no, Luke, you'll be back for a TV time machine in a couple of weeks. Sometime in January, we'll get the time machine back yeah. uh, to uh, 25 years ago, January 99. Okay. <laughs> he sounds very enthusiastic. I'm excited. That, I'm excited. <laughs> right, Luke, you are now banished. We've yes. got our little, little cards up and they've both yeah. got your name on so we could talk about the traitors. Bye, Luke. As he, as he lifts Bye. his hood up. <laughs> The Traitors um, is back. Would you say it was like a sort of sleeper hit the first time around? Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know when we reviewed it on the podcast, it was me and Michael, and he sort of hated himself for how much he got into it. That's (laughs) that's my main memory of it. But it was sort of put out towards the end of the year um, in 2022. In the lead up to Christmas, I remember, I think the last three episodes were sort of Christmas week or thereabouts. The nation got behind it, I think, A, because no one knew what was going on. I think it was a show where, because it was a new format, they didn't really know how to play it on the show. And it just became like a social media phenomenon. No people sort of binged it at the time. Hopes were high for the second series. Not much has changed, really. It's 22 people going to a castle in Scotland. Claudia Winkleman doing her best sort of pantomime villain performance. A number of people are chosen to be traitors, to kill off the others who are known as the Faithfuls, and the Faithfuls basically have to work out who the traitors are. Tweaks to the format, there's the the challenges where you win money, but there's also the chance to get shields which protect people from being murdered. The initial three traitors got to pick a fourth traitor to join them, that was something new. And in that episode, we didn't find out who had become the traitors to the end of the episode. So we were almost almost being like one of the faithfuls, which I think was a good a good twist. The fact that people had seen the first series, that was the other thing I was worried about. But I think that's almost heightened the tension, heightened the paranoia in a way, because everyone is second and third guessing themselves to the point where you're just <laughs> running yourself in ribbons really i dawn what are your thoughts have you watched all three because i've watched I have, all three yes and i watched them live as they went out i didn't mm. watch them on iplayer and i think i did i watched oh, them all on iplayer oh, that night cheap. i think this is one of those shows it's like a combo meal deal it is better with social media it really just adds a huge element if you're watching it live and reading the tweets and um as things unfold um, like you, I was worried the second series was going to be full of people who had seen the first series, understood how it worked, and it was going to change it and make it more reality TV-esque. But it hasn't at all. And in fact, this third episode, I gave an applause uh, gif on, on Twitter for it because it was outstanding. One of the best episodes of reality TV I've ever seen. There were so many elements of it that were... Um, some were out with the producer's control. Some were just naturally amazing. Uh, some were the producers that, um, you know, deliberately putting things in. It was it was Shakespearean in its, the way it, it reached a crescendo. And just when you thought we were done with Revelations, oh, there's another one. 
and I have to say, uh, in the, the first series, I said that I didn't think Claudia Winkleman was the right presenter. So I'm going to have to hold my hand up and say I'm wrong. She is brilliant in it. She's so good at that persona that she's created there. Because in, you know, Strictly and stuff, she's such a warm and bubbly person. And then in here, she's trying to be aloof. But then when you see them doing the the um challenges, the real Claudia comes out and she's cheering them on and shouting their names and, and then we go back into the round table rooms and she's shouting silence at them for talking. <laughs> so she's playing it fantastically calm. I think her actual personality is somewhere in between her Strictly and her traitors. I think <laughs> it's somewhere. I remember watching her in Liquid News back in the day and I think it's somewhere yeah. in the middle, you know, there's a side to Claudia, but it's not as sort of pantomime as it is, you know, on the <laughs> yeah, train. I, yeah. I think there is a better choice than Claudia, I would say. Yeah. I think she does a good job, but I I don't buy her still in this sure. role. I think she's sort of rooting for the contestants rather than yeah, being is, this definitely. sort of, like Alan Cumming does so well yeah. <laughs> on the yeah. American one. He is the sort of person you need on a show <laughs> like this for me. <laughs> yes. Uh, the casting again this year is all very good. I unfortunately yet have to um, differentiate between the young blonde women. I wrote down all their names and I'm like, now which I've, one? <laughs> I've got the press pack up so I can <laughs> I can sort of associate between the different people. Do you think that the sort of unfortunate thing about the gameplay, the, the way that it's structured, it often means that you lose a lot of the biggest characters early on? Because I think the first three people who yeah. left were some of the biggest characters who I think, for example, Aubrey, he was the first to get murdered. I would have loved to see him throughout the series. It was a lot yeah. of, you know, the first two that went were both older characters. And I think that's a shame because you've only got a certain amount. I'm sure we'll talk about another of the older players in a minute, but, you know, it, yeah. it felt like we were getting rid of some really strong characters, whereas the sort of the ones the quieter ones who you still haven't really got to know mm. which I suppose is the point in a way are still there rather you know but they aren't going to get murdered early on because they're not making an impression and that's the sort of catch-22 yeah. of this this format really isn't it it is yeah because obviously the ones who are the biggest threat are going to be murdered and the ones who are the biggest threat are the ones who are voicing their opinions or are clever enough to already spot things that aren't right and and so to protect themselves, the traitors are going to eliminate them first. And it is a shame, but maybe it means that those other characters who are less forthcoming, they get that chance to grow into a big persona. You know what I mean? Last year, Will, I'd, I wouldn't have thought of him as a big character, but obviously as, as it went on, he became so important. It allows a different kind of person to thrive on a reality show than would in you know big brother or something similar so you know it almost happened again on the, the third episode when a lot of people were voting for diane and the entire uh nation was going no don't vote diane that, that first episode where claudia was sitting them down to ask them who wanted to be the traitors she really reminded me of you in that <laughs> don't make me a traitor i wouldn't be able to cope <laughs> That's, Whilst that's, also having your son secretly. My son secretly <laughs> in, in the, the thing. I mean, the way they revealed that was fantastic. I mean, I would never have said, oh, Paul no. and, and Diane or anybody, you know, was, was the mother. So I, who was it that first came up with it? Was it Zach? Zach. First, yes, yeah, suggested it. 
the fact that they'd had those conversations so that gave them the chance, the producers, this chance to build up this reveal of that Diane and Ross were, were mother and son was just a gift to them. And it was like in the first episode, was it the first episode or the second episode, when the three traitors sat next to each other in the pool mm. room and neither, none of them knew they were the three traitors at that point. They didn't know about the others. So it was mm. a sheer coincidence. So they, they were gifted. You know, I can imagine the people in the in the director's room going, yes, <laughs> that's brilliant, thank you. The table at the yes. end, that just like the fact it went down to a, a three-way vote. I mean, someone brought this up on, on Twitter. Surely Anthony's going to vote for Diane again and it's going to go yes. to a split. <laughs> you, would have, you would think so, definitely. She just will not drop this, this Anthony. She's yeah, but Anthony's the last person to vote. Yes. And it's tied between, between Ash, Ash and Brian. And Brian yes. So if he votes for Diane again, it's going to be... <laughs> going to have to do maybe, another maybe they did it and they just cut it and went, for goodness sake, just vote for one of those two people, please. It's like Claudia's only here till 10. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the fact that, um, you know, it had Harry and, and Paul, Harry saying, oh, yeah, I caught Paul's eye and... We knew what we had to do, and you thought, oh, yeah, they're going to vote to save Ash, and then they both voted for Ash. I was like, oh! No, no, I thought that that's what they were going to do. I, I didn't no. catch that at all. No, I was like, oh, they're going to vote to save Ash, but no. Yeah. I think that's it when they chose the other guy to join them, and it's three guys and an yeah. older woman. I think it's not long before she's going to get pushed out. Yeah. She was bad at her job. Yes, because... she was bad at being a traitor. <laughs> When Sonia said to her, are you a traitor? And she was like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And then she was like, well, are you one? Oh. So she didn't deal with that very well. No, it was the other woman, wasn't it? It wasn't Diane. It was oh, the so one sorry, who... Sonia, yes. Sonia. Yeah. But the melodrama, the first thing is I love these shots. Obviously, they've all done these sort of pre-shots beforehand yeah. of them. You know, are they going to be the one who gets murdered? But Sonia was like... Sleeping and knitting at the same time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's all, it's so funny because it's like it's like let's show us do, do, doing your craft or your hobby, and you know some of them are reading books, and then once it's just was it um was it Jasmine or was it I, I can't remember. One of them was just lying playing with her hair. That's all. It, that was, the, it was the girl who, who got oh, murdered Kyra. second. Kyra. Uh, Kyra, yeah, it was Kyra. That's that's her hobby is playing with her hair. The music is the other thing I was going to... Oh, yes, yeah. What the kids call needle drops, like as soon as something dramatic happens, <laughs> let's do a sort of sultry version of a popular 80s pop song. <laughs> I think it was when, like, song. Harry voted for Ash or Paul voted for Ash. They just, like, let's play a song. Yeah, I can't even remember what it was, but I remember thinking, what's that? And then as it started, I was like, oh, yeah, it's just a woman singing an 80s pop song very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's complete... Camp, but it is I was just thinking like no one at all was talking about Survivor I didn't see a no, single person no, that no. like came and went I would have thought they'd spent a lot more money well they would have spent a lot more money yeah, flying everyone out to wherever they Dominican Republic or wherever they filmed that and this is a lot easier to sort of get your head around and Part of me was thinking why didn't they put this in the Survivor slot you know yeah, I suppose yeah. I know I'm a celeb was on but it it just, to me, feels like this is your reality show that it hasn't, you know, like, obviously we brought back Big Brother as well as Survivor last year. This is a new, you know, quote-unquote news show. I know it's a mm -hmm. format, I think, from 
the Netherlands perhaps before, but this is something that everyone got on board with and that you have now got in your arsenal, whereas Survivor, it just felt like it came and went. Similar sort of voted people off and blah, blah, blah. But I think because of the different characters, the different age ranges, the different backgrounds, I just think this works so well. And I, I despite myself as going back to what Michael said, <laughs> you do hate yourself sometimes. But I was like, no, I need to see who yeah. gets me. I need to see. You know, it's almost like a drama in the way that they pinpoint yeah. these cliffhangers. The cliffhangers are the best of of any reality show I've, I've ever seen. They do the, the cliffhangers the best. They build to that moment and then, oh, no, you have to wait for the next. So you go... Oh, okay, I'll just go on iPlayer and watch, mm. you know, whatever. Although I did, I, I did, I am proud that I resisted this year. Oh. <laughs> Are you going to be watching the American one with John Burkow? I, I might do, yes. <laughs> it just seems bizarre, but again, because there's a lot of them like Real Housewife people on there. Exactly there. what I was going to say. There's, there are a lot more reality type. Uh, people who are experienced in reality mm. and and shouting at each other that they're, you know. But one of the dancers from Dancing with the Stars as well, which seems oh, a bit of an odd choice. Like, not a reality show, really. No. Like, it'd be like having Anton Dubeck or something. <laughs> <laughs> he would be marvellous at it. <laughs> Anton Dubeck as a traitor would be genius. When we're talking about the comparison of Survivor and, and the traitor, Survivor is supposed to be all about strength. Who's the strongest player? Mm. Whatever. And what I love about the traitors is it is essentially impossible to guess who will be a traitor it's the fact that the people involved are so convinced oh no paul can't be a traitor he's so nice and you're like no but it's the whole point of the show but human nature is you can't help but trust somebody who's nice to you i think miles is going to be the one who takes it at the end yes i think so because paul is a bit too um I think he's going to get a bit too cocky. Cocky, yes. He's too cocky and too smug about the whole thing. I think he will flip up. Because he's like, oh, you didn't perform as a traitor. Oh, I loved the taste of murder in the morning yes, and stuff yes, like that. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's, Whereas I think I Miles is already playing three steps ahead that he's going to betray the traitors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that was an interesting thing. I saw somebody saying that, did they include an extra bit in the in the traitors when they had to make their um vow that they it said I won't uncover you know I won't betray the other traitors basically, uh, because of what happened at the end of of last season when uh, I can't remember the guy's name but they made Kieran yeah yeah made him and and then he basically exposed the fact that Wilf was a traitor in the last mm. round because Wilf would have won otherwise yeah he would have it was just because he said you know this is a gift and blah 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 so I don't know if they've maybe they've introduced that that they can't reveal another traitor because then it, they could just all throw each other under the bus and you're yeah. like no, no traitors and you have to start all over again it's one of those things that if you get into it I mean it's something that we were talking about briefly before we came on air. Do you think it's a mistake that they're doing the three a week? I think it was. I think you need to meet that perfect half halfway house where you give them these cliffhangers, but they come with a resolution quick enough that people aren't just going to either binge the law or get really bored and mm. and forget. And by doing that, you have the three cliffhangers in it. Well, you know, in a week, you have two that are answered, and then you have one that you have to wait another week for. I think that gives it a nice balance of waiting, but also satisfaction for viewers. And it keeps the momentum up. And also in January, there's just nothing else going on, isn't there? No. So 
having that. No, I mean, this this week, you know, everything like the, all the your silent witnesses and your theories yeah. and the call the midwives are all coming back. So yeah, it's nice to have as you, as we said a bit of high camp and another three weeks of this, and then you know the Apprentice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great return to form. They've sort of recognised that the away day tasks were the least yeah, sort least of engaging bits of added the the shields to it yeah. as a way of making that a bit more compelling as well so yeah but yeah as we said it's wednesday thursday friday nights or three episodes on the iplayer after wednesday's episode weird structure but one that works you would hope that in the final week they don't do that with the iplayer yeah i hope so yeah that they just um keep it a secret but yeah that's us done for another week uh thank you so much to luke for joining us briefly before we banished him as we said we are on all of the social medias twitter slash x at luke tv at matt's tv but it's at cluster tv pod facebook our Instagram, it's the Custer TV, and email reviews at gmail.com. And Dawn is on at Dawn Glenn 2 and Ikeloshu, which is I K K L E O S U on Instagram and threads and blue yonder. Okay, okay. And next week we will be back with Big Boys, that's back. Um, and other things as well that I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> But yes, until then, thank you very much and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook.